Eye on 2020, episode 155. Have 2020 Vision with Eye on 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. What's up, everybody? It's Ray Eaton here, your host of Ion2020, that source that you come to Monday through Friday for the news, the events, the things that are going on in your 2020 election. Here in the United States, we have multiple people that are fighting uh, in the Democratic primary in order to try to beat Donald Trump, or at least try to get to go against Donald Trump. And then you got Donald Trump, who is going to be throwing blows as well. Always interesting to watch. That's why I decided to go in and do this show, because I just think it's an interesting, fun time that, to watch the, polit- the politics that goes on around an election. Always interesting and always uh, entertaining, at least. I love to sit back and just watch kind of objectively, because I don't really care about any of those candidates whatsoever. Uh, I don't really care too much about Donald Trump. I don't care too much about the other politicians that are running as well. All they are is politicians, and uh, all they're trying to do is have more power in my mind, so I typically just, you know, it's interesting to watch, though it's nice to see what's going on and uh, follow it, and that's what I do, and my goal with the show, though, is to give you guys a libertarian spin on the 2020 election, give you guys a little bit of criticism, I will praise the candidates when I can as well, if they're doing something that's good, if they say something that's good, I will definitely praise them, and I will uh, criticize them if they have policies that I don't agree with, and that don't follow the libertarian point of view, which the libertarian point of view is basically this, you know, leave people alone, like, you know, don't hurt people, don't take their stuff, right? Uh, and that's it. And it comes down to one thing, which is called the non-aggression principle. And that non-aggression principle is, the, the idea behind it is that you nor nobody else should have the ability to aggress upon somebody else. And you should not necessarily live by that, but the government should live by that, or people in general should live by that standard, right? That you're not going to aggress upon other people. And if you do aggress upon somebody else, then they have the right to defend themselves and so forth. Now, not one person can aggress upon another, so that that means also that multiple people can't join together and just aggress upon somebody else. And that's what government is. is government is definitely technically just a group of people that decided that they're going to form some sort of government right? They're going to elect leaders, essentially, to run that government, and then they give power to that government that they have. They give power to that government to act in their name, essentially, but that does not mean that that government then has the right to turn around and uh, aggress upon others. So that's kind of the the non-aggression principle in a nutshell. Now, we do form governments in this world in order to basically get along better, right? To have order, to have laws, to have courts, to have defense, common defense, and things like that. Those are things that people form governments to have. So in that sense, you are you are turning around some of your sovereignty in that sense whenever you form a government or whenever people form a government. Now we have a government in America that is way overbloated, 
way doing way more than it should be doing. I mean, there's there's things that were laid out in the Constitution that maybe the government should be doing, but it's gone way beyond that, guys. You you can you know that. I mean, we have a Department of Education, we have a Department of everything. You know, we have a Department of Fertilizer in some ways. You know, uh, with the EPA, and I mean, there's just so many things that the government does. And it's gotten to the point where it is aggressive upon people to the point where people are getting sick of it, you know? And, uh, and libertarians, we tend to think that, I mean, some libertarians are the point where they just kind of checked out and decided, you know, I'm not even going to be involved in this thing anymore. I'm just going to go off and do my own thing and try to live separate from government in some way. Then there's other libertarians that are trying to take the political means in order to try to whittle down that government. And that's kind of the stance that I take is that we should kind of join together and start educating people and start working in some way to try to find politicians who will go up there and stand firm in their, you know, in their ideology that says that they are against large government. They're not going to vote for government that gets larger and larger every single day, that they're going to go up there and they're going to try to tear apart the government in some way. They're going to try to they're going to vote for things that mean that the government's going to get smaller. Going to be more responsible. Going to limit the government. That's what, that's what we're looking for. Is people are going to put, try to put limits on the government that we have. Because right now it seems like we have an unlimited government in some ways. Overseas, the government is way more involved than it should be overseas. The government's way more involved in every aspect of your life. And that... You know, that, that's why libertarians typically want to be in a position where we're voting for people that are going to try to limit the government. You know, you have like the Rand Pauls up there who, you know, while not perfect, and a lot of libertarians criticize him, but he is somebody that we should not be criticizing because 99.9% of the time, he is on the right side of issues. All these guys, I mean, there's several politicians that are up there that we should stand behind and try to influence them because if all they hear is criticism from the people that they that they're I mean, if, if all they hear is criticism from the libertarian side that oh you're not libertarian enough then that, then it's not gonna spur other people that are libertarian leaning like the Rand Pauls and the Thomas Masseys of the world it's gonna not it's not gonna res, it's not gonna inspire other people to do the same thing which is just go up there and vote the right way 99.9% of the time. That's what we need. We need people that are going to do that. So that's why I do this show every day to try to inspire people to in some ways defend liberty and also maybe inspire some of you guys one day to, you know, be that person like a Rand Paul or a Thomas Massey or one of these libertarian-leaning candidates that are out there. You know, that that's important. So that's what we want. Libertarians, I mean, that's I'm going to take all these candidates that are on the political stage in the Democratic side and the Republicans and on the third party side. I'm going to pick them apart, man. Let you know where they stand. That's what I do. So when you're talking with your friends, when you're talking with your family and they want to know about a particular candidate, you'll have some answers for them. But you'll also be able to educate them in a way that leads towards them maybe responding more to a libertarian message. And that's our goal. So, hey, guys, if you've liked what you've heard the last several episodes, that would be great if you could leave me a five-star rating and review. Go ahead and do that now. And then uh, if it's your first time listening, well, welcome, first of all. And then uh, if you want to listen some more, 
you can go and subscribe to the show and you'll hear the show tomorrow. And uh, I also have you know, over 150 episodes previous to this one. You can go through those. I do talk about the candidates. I don't talk about timely issues all the time, right? I don't talk about just the news of the day every single day. A lot of the, can- a lot of the shows that I do are based upon political positions of the candidates. So if you want to learn their political positions, uh, I'll, you know, you can listen to some of those previous shows. But you know what I might end up doing? Is once they have the final people on this debate stage, right? Because there's, in September, uh, so the candidates have until, the Democrat candidates have until August 28th to basically get 2% of the vote in some of these polls, as well as 130,000 individual contributors to their campaign. And once they have that, they will be on the debate stage in September. And that they have until August 28th to get to reach that number. So a lot of them will, and a lot of them won't. They're predicting, I think there's eight people that have made it into it right now that have crossed that threshold. A lot of them do have the 130,000 voters that have contributed to their campaign. Or the individual contributors, a lot of them have had that. But a lot of them aren't hitting that 2% mark. So, in that way, they have until August 28th to make that happen, though. So, once they, I think once they whittle down that number and they release it, I'll probably go back and spend a couple days, maybe like 15-minute segments. If there's 10 of them, I'll do like five days in a row on their political positions. Or if I could do it quicker, I will. Because, to be honest with you, a lot of these candidates, to me, they seem like they are just the same the same candidate, you know? Like, if you're looking at 10 individual quarters, yeah, there's little slight variations to each quarter. Even on the back of the quarter, there might be a different state or a different national park or a different mo- national monument. Or maybe it's one of the older quarters, like... But it's still a quarter, you know? So it's the same person's head on the front. The date might be different. So there's, like, little subtle differences between the candidates, but most of them are still the same. They all believe in almost exactly the same stuff they all want to take a progressive view of the world and government they all want government to have more control of the economy they all want the government to have more control over your lives they all want the government to basically you know be more of a nanny state than it already is and they're all looking for ways to make that happen so all of them have different paths to make that happen some of them want to take a little bit longer path to that end goal some of them think that we can just bypass it and just go straight down the mountain straight up the mountain i guess you'd say some of them have you know short paths some of them have long paths but they all are trying to get to the same point and that ultimate point never actually ends because there's always more over the horizon for them there's always more over that horizon, right? If they get Medicare for all, well, the next thing you know, I was actually listening to their podcast. It was on the status or the status quo, and uh, I like listening to that show every so often. Actually, I think they put out like one or two shows a week, and I'll usually listen to them. And uh, he had made a very valid point. The gentleman that is that that runs the sh- or that does the show, he was saying that he lives out in rural Ohio. And he said the closest, you know, there's two hospitals within like an hour of him and that's it. But there's no other hospitals within like two or three hours from there. Maybe a little bit shorter than that. But he was saying if he was saying that, you know, 
based upon what one of the candidates said on the debate stage, they said that they don't that a lot of the candidates that want Medicare for all, they don't understand the Medicare system because a lot of doctors will only take, you know, let's say they'll take 60% of their patients will be Medicare, but the rest have to be on insurance. So they'll cut off Medicare. They won't accept more Medicare patients after a while because Medicare only pays out at 70 and 80 cents on the dollar compared to what the, ins- the regular insurance would do. So a lot of these hospitals, when they're only getting paid 70, 80% cents on the dollar, they're going to end up shutting down, right? They're going to be financially insecure. I mean, they're already financially insecure, a lot of these rural hospitals are. They can't afford to stay open. So they do these fundraisers. They try to raise money for the hospital. And ultimately, what happens is that if you had Medicare for all, a lot of these hospitals would shut down. So what would the government do in that sense? What would happen next if these hospitals started shutting down? Then you end up getting the government stepping in to subsidize these hospitals. Well, hell, we're only getting paid 80 cents on the dollar. You can't stay open because you can't afford to, or you're going to give worse service. So we're going to subsidize you to make sure that you do stay open. So now you're now the government is funding an unprofitable business. And ultimately, with all that subsidizing of these hospitals, more and more hospitals are subsidized. And ultimately, the Democrats start realizing that, and the, the people that are for Medicare for All start realizing that the system's slowly breaking down because of that. So what do they ask for next? I mean, what would they ask for next? They would say, well, we need to take over the hospitals. We need to take over the doctor's offices. You know, why, not, why don't we just nationalize the entire medicine, the medical industry? Why don't we do that? That's what would happen next. That's the next step in their plan. So all of these candidates, they're in the same boat. They all have a destination in mind, which is to get to that point. But then what happens next after that? You know, like there's always more over the horizon. There's always more progressivism for these people. There's always the next step. It's incremental for them. It is. So all the candidates, I mean, they're all this, they're all quarters, guys. They're all the same. They all look the same. There's subtle differences between them. But that's what I'm going to do is going doing a little show on that, right? I'll maybe do a, a, maybe five shows if there's 10 candidates or maybe I'll just do like two or three shows. I'm not sure, but I'll just cover each candidate and what their views are and how they might differentiate themselves from the other from the rest of the pack, okay? And then at that point, um, you'll have even a better understanding. Because I've even learned a lot more about these candidates since they started. I mean, when I first started doing these shows about their political issues and about what they believe, I was able to cover it in some way. But it was only the, the information that was released up to that point. But now even more information has been released. And they've done these uh, the debates and so forth. So it kind of lets the people stand out on who they are. So, uh, yeah. That's what I'll end up doing, but um, like I said, there's such subtle differences between these people. Uh, And the biggest thing is this, guys. Keep this in mind, okay? They have an incremental approach to getting what they want. They are willing to take a little bit at a time. They'll take one tiny step forward. They will take an inch. They'll take a quarter inch if they have to. Whatever it takes, they will take it. Because that is the agenda of the progressive movement. Whatever it takes. They don't, they don't care. Yeah, a lot of them want it to move faster. But the American people are stubborn. They don't want to move forward that fast, right? They don't want to 
have such drastic change in the in the economy and in the way that this government is run. They don't want that. So, but they will continuously over a hundred year period, even two hundred year period, they're gonna prog- they're gonna try to progress towards what they want. They want the government to be more involved in the economy and in your lives, and that's what they want. So it's our job, being libertarians, to do the same thing. We're on a game of inches as well. I've talked about this in the past. Football season's coming up, and I've used a football because uh, I love I love college football. I don't really watch NFL too much, although I am a Patriots fan, so I do follow the Patriots. And it's not because they're such a good team. I actually watched them when they played the Bears back in like 1985 in the Super Bowl and lost. And that was the first football game I ever watched. And I remember all the kids in my class were rooting for the Bears, and I was rooting for the Patriots because they were all. Uh, all the kids in my class, they were like Giants fans or something. And because I, I was growing up in Connecticut at the time, and you were either a Patriots fan or you were a Giants fan or a Jets fan. And when the Patriots were in the Super Bowl, then they're going to go for the person, the team that uh, is not the Patriots. So they went for the Bears. So anyway, I remember watching that. And so anyway, besides that, a football fan, yes. I, I love college football the most but I I do watch the NFL only when it's pretty much the Patriots playing and uh, I use the football analogy though a lot we as libertarians we've been pushed back all the way to like 99 yards and you know 2 feet 11 inches back we're like right on the opposing end zone man we are going to get sacked in the end zone at the next play and there's going to be a safety, two points on the board for the other team, for the progressives, you know, for the socialists. Like, we've been pushed way back. And the reason why is because, you know, they're able to message themselves to make it sound like they're the good guys. They're the ones that are saying, oh, yeah, we need to give all this stuff to the poor. We need to take care of the poor. And it, it sounds so nice, doesn't it? Sounds like they care so much about the poor, but they're willing to rob, cheat, and steal to make it happen. They're willing to play that game of inches over hundreds of years if they have to and or you know year after year they're just trying to push that progressive agenda forward what we need to do as libertarians is we need to start pushing that end zone back we need to figure out ways as a group to get our message out there and we are i think we are i really do ron paul in 2008 and in 2012 when he ran he got a lot of people on his side. He got a lot of young people at the time. But now it's 11 years later. Seven years later. Those people are in their mid-20s. Early 30s. Even in their 40s, right? And those people that were Ron Paul supporters back then are the ones that are doing the Libertarian podcast now. They're the ones that are have the Libertarian websites They're the ones that are pushing a lot of libertarian issues out into the forefront. I mean, you would have never heard, you know, the Mises Institute on a lot of people's minds way back when. But that is a very libertarian organization. And they, I mean, they have all the information people need to learn pure libertarianism pure libertarianism in some ways, right? Back when I became a libertarian in 1999, there was nothing like that, man. I mean, I'm sure it was out there. I'm sure the Mises Institute was out there, but you'd never hear about it because no one knew about it. Not me. Not any of the libertarians I knew. 
And there was very few libertarians that I knew, actually. I think I was the only one at the college that I was going to at the time. And the college professor that was a libertarian that, uh, that kind of, you know, he was an economics professor. He's the one that led me towards libertarianism. And his book was li- written in a free market capitalist way. An economics professor at a community college. Yes, guys, that's right. And it was just, uh, you know, opened my eyes to see libertarianism for what it is and then start down that path. But in 2008, it took off. In 2012, it took off. And now it's sort of mainstream almost, you know? Not quite, but it's getting there. So we're maybe on that one yard line at that point, man. We are. We have 99 yards to go, but we still need some breathing room. We just need more, need more people out there talking to their friends about liberty, talking to their families about liberty, just doing something for the libertarian movement. That's what we need. So that when these candidates are on stage promising all the BS that they promise, everyone will look at them and say, yeah, right. This government is $23 trillion in debt almost, and it can't be afforded. What, are you going to put it on the backs of the grandkids? Irresponsibly? No. We're not for that, and we're not okay with what you're promising because it's confiscation from other people, and it's not right. But that's what we need to do, is we need to start churning that tide. And I think I said this on yesterday's show, I think that we need to get people to start rethinking their relationship with the government. Rethinking how they, ex- what they expect from their government. Because it's failed. It has absolutely failed. And you don't see it right now. You don't. The people don't see it right now because they haven't been asked to pay for it. Because the government continues to write checks. They continue to put it onto debt. They continue to put it onto the credit card. That's what they do. So it hasn't come out in the wash yet. It hasn't. No one's been asked to pay for it. They haven't been asked to pay for the wars. They haven't been asked to pay for all of the government programs that are out there. They haven't been asked to pay for this government. Yeah, you stroke a check every single year in your taxes. That's true. But the reality hasn't really sunk in. I think it was... um, Jeff Dice of the Mises Institute on a show that I was listening to the other day, he said that, you know, if, if the American people were asked to stroke a check for the 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 wars in Iraq and in Afghanistan Afghanistan, and the government said, Yep, all right, so by the way, we're just gonna, you know, have you pay five hundred dollars a month to us to pay for these wars, it would have lasted about a month and a half before the people demanded that it stops. But what happens is they just keep on putting it on the credit card, guys. So we haven't really seen or felt the pain of it yet. Of all the government spending. But it has to come out in the wash. And it's going to come out in the wash with our kids. Our kids are going to be the ones that feel that. Because we're going to run into stagnant growth. You're going to end up having some sort of deflation or inflation. Something that's you know, most likely the inflationary pressure is going to eventually hit. And that's going to cause them to be less well-off. That's going to cause their money to be worth less. That's going to cause them to live in a lower, you know, a lower income bracket than what we have. We'll have less opportunity than we had. It'll be long, no longer be the land of opportunity, but the land of, hey, we once had opportunity. And that's it. So, guys, that's what we need to do. We need to be... We need to be people that are outspoken about our views in some ways, right? 
But I don't think we need to be outspoken in the sense that we're just like, every time we're around anybody, we start talking about libertarianism and free markets and all this stuff. No, that's not that's not the way that you go about it. But you need to be, you know, a, a, a shining light in the in the midst of the darkness in that way. You know, that's what you need to do. So, just get out there and you know, just do something for the libertarian movement, and that's it. That's I mean, that's what Ron Paul said. Whenever someone asked him, "Should I run for office?" You know what? Do what you want to do. Just do something. And if what you think running for office is the thing that you're going to do then make sure that when you do get into office, you do not fall into the, you know, that whole Washington thing that goes on where the people change their views all of a sudden because they want to be popular, they want to get reelected, or they want, or whatever. Be a voice of reason in that unreasonable place, you know? And that's it. So that's the election today. Um, I appreciate you guys coming out and listening to ION 2020. Listen, it's your source for the news and the events that are going on in the 2020 election. I'll keep my eyes peeled for all the news that it, as it comes out, okay? And uh, then you guys come back tomorrow and you'll have clear vision for 2020. Hey guys, I just wanted to play a voice message for you that I got from Sam, who has a podcast called The Whitfield Report. And he was talking about the El Paso shootings in this particular voice message and I will go ahead and play it and I'll respond to it afterwards hey there Ray it is Sam from the Whitfield Report I just finished uh, listening to your episode about the uh, El Paso shooting and uh, you pretty much summed up all my uh, points as well on the uh, shooting I actually covered it a bit on my show on Saturday when it first broke and uh you know my audience some of them tend to think it's a false flag i don't necessarily know if it's if it's a false flag uh myself i know that there are people who always uh go that route but i'll tell you what the politicians really don't have the answer to this more legislation is not going to fix this issue um i think the biggest problem is the media. They honestly love to perpetuate this stuff to get higher ratings. And so I think if people were just, you know, would just turn off the media, things would get fixed. Hey, Sam, thanks for the great voice message. Yeah, I don't, I I don't think it's a false flag. I never think that most things are, you know, false flags by any means. But again, but then again, what the media does is they already have the entire after a shooting they already have the stage set for what they're going to talk about right it's kind of like the set is already designed everything's already there up on the stage and as soon as there's a shooting they have their openings they have their closings all those segments already made up and all they do is fill in the words in the middle so yeah they do have an agenda the press absolutely does have an agenda and the politicians absolutely do have an agenda as soon as they hear something like that. And they want the people to believe that they have the answers. That's all it is. The press does, the pundits do, and the politicians do. They, then the, the stage is already set up, ready to go every single time there's a shooting. The people need to realize this, though. What we need to realize is that they don't have the answers to any of these problems. All they want to do is cause division and fight amongst each other in order to get the ratings to get reelected or to get themselves back on the TV shows. And that's it.
The pundits just want to get back on the TV shows. The media just wants the ratings, and the politicians just want to get reelected. So they, that stage is already set. It's a nice way to divide the people up, when the reality is they don't have the answers. The answers are found in the people and the culture that we live in. The people realizing that, you know, we can step away from all this division. But yeah, I just, I, I'm definitely not a false flag. I, I, I hate to go to that because that takes away from the victims of this tragic event. This is a idiot that has, you know, terrible worldviews, and he went in and shot people, and it's terrible, absolutely terrible. But the the stage has already been set. As soon as that happened, you already know what CNN's going to say. You already know what MSNBC is going to say. The nightly news is going to say the same thing. And Fox News, all they're going to do is defend gun rights, and that's it. And that's I mean that's just the way that they are. That that's the, that's the stage that these people are performing on. So yeah, thank you for going and uh, send me sending me a voice message, and uh, I look forward to your next show. I'm not doing 155. Come on, do 155. I, on 2020 episode 155, yeah. <laughs> no, do it for real, ready, go. I, on 2020 episode 155.